Welcome to the Create a Dynasty Podcast. Tonight, the dynasty is born, baby. Where chasing championships never ends. This fantasy football podcast is brought to you by CreatorRank.com. Follow us on Twitter at CreatorRank. And find us on Facebook and YouTube. The road to glory begins now. As we discuss draft strategy, trade advice, and player evaluation to help you create a dynasty. Yes, it's a dynasty. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Create a Dynasty podcast. We have another great episode for you today. We have one of the most interesting topics and something everybody loves to do in Dynasty. Today, we're going to be talking about the art of trading. I have Ben here with me, and unfortunately, Nate couldn't be here for a previous uh, prior work engagement. But Nate, when we were talking offline, you did say you were the better brother, right? Oh, 100%. In every aspect of life, I am better than Nathan. You know what, though? The younger brothers always are because the parents messed up the first one to get it right with the younger one, right? Exactly. And we're more loved. That, you know what? That is true. We are more loved. And yes. <laughs> we do have a guest here today. And this is a man, if you guys are on Creator Rank, the website, creatorrank.com, he wrote the topic that we're going to be talking about, Mr. Matt Reller. Hey, guys. Also a younger sibling, so I totally get it. Oh, we got the three younger younger trio here. This yes, is sir. Matt, so actually, yeah. how long have we known each other? About a year now? Yeah, a little over a year. We got together playing Dynasty football, and I mean, realistically, this is probably how we kind of formed our bond, right? Through trading? Yeah, um, that and group me, uh, our group chat for the Foot Clan War Room League that we're in together. Um, we tend to do agree on a lot of stuff and then started swindling deals back and forth. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, pretty much. I mean, and realistically, that, that it, I think, is one of the essence of trading is really getting to know people. And how long have you been playing fantasy football? I've been playing fantasy football in some form or another for 23 years. I'm 37, so I started when I was 14, which is kind of young, and then uh, got into Dynasty. I heard you guys talking on an episode how you were both kind of really into the franchise mode in Madden. Yes. And yeah. I spent hours on that thing, <laughs> always trying to re-sign players and trade and of the scouting so when i heard somebody talking about a dynasty fantasy i was like what is this and it sounded a lot like that so i signed me up let's go and i've been doing that for about five six years now off and on so okay so you kind of answered my second question for you thank you for jumping ahead (laughs) Um, be efficient here luke (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate that uh so what got you into wanting to write fantasy f- for fantasy football? And what got you into wanting to write for this topic, trading? Short answer, you. Uh, long answer. 
uh, I've always kind of fancied myself a writer. I took a lot of creative writing electives in college and just always kind of found that my medium. Other people can draw, other people can talk really well. I'm starting to be able to do that now, but um, I've always <laughs> found writing as kind of my home. And when you mentioned, hey, you trade more than anyone I've ever been a part of a league with, and you mentioned, hey, would you be willing to write this? I thought somewhere he must have researched me and found that I was a writer. So um, <laughs> kind of thought, well, that's pretty divine. Um, and then you sent me a link to Creator Inc., and they agreed. So here I am. Yeah, so I mean, we've kind of been along kind of on the same journey, and I have to admit that I somewhat knew the answer to this question, and I only asked it because I knew I was going to get a little bit of props. That's what you guys are going to find out about me. <laughs> I am shocked. Not at all, Lou. <laughs> it's more of a question just to get you know more praise for yourself. Pretty much. Oh, yeah, 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 pretty exactly. much. I think, I mean, pretty much probably the first encounters that they experienced with me is we drafted and then I traded and somehow I got Odell Beckham and Hopkins on my team. And I mean, for the whole time that I had them every day, it was one mention, one brag. I have to, I have to. <laughs> it never ended though. I thought there'd be a day <laughs> where you didn't, but no, you stuck to your word and every single day it came back. That. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So today, like I said, we are going to be talking about um, the art of trading. We're going to be talking about Matt's article. Uh, we're going to get into some news. Bargain Ben. Ben has something for us. And then we're going to get into prospect of the week. Now, before we do that, I do want to say that this podcast is brought to you by CreatorRank.com, our brand new fantasy football website where you, the fan, can create your own set of customized player rankings. We have a great team putting out content every day in the form of articles like Matt has for us, videos, podcasts, and more. We also offer a 20-minute one-on-one chat with our site experts, completely free for 2019. For more, follow us on Twitter at CreatorRank and check us out on Facebook and YouTube. So Patriots released Austin Safarian Jenkins, and it looks like Lacoste is going to be starting at tight end. Is this some, someone you guys are looking to buy? I mean, it's always that the price is right. But I don't know. It's kind of hard to see how Brady's going to use a tight end not named Gronkowski. It's not like yeah. Ben Watson was super relevant. For now, just avoid the tight ends, right? I would. I agree. Damien Harris reports he could earn a prominent role. Matt, how are you feeling about that? It's careful wording by Damian Harris, and it's him saying it. So I'm not sure how much I would put into it. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I mean, if he's saying it, like, that's cool. Uh, you would expect almost any NFL player to say, hey, I'm going to have a prominent role on this team. But in New England, his prominent role could be the Rex Burkhead role, uh, yep. of which he had last year. Now, and there is – Sorry, there is some report about yeah. uh, Sony is still dealing with that knee issue. So, I mean, this could come into fruition. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say any running back can come into fruition with Bill Belichick as his coach. And who knows week to week exactly which one's going to be the guy. 
Yeah, that's that's what's the scary part about New England is you do not know. No, so, you never do. Going into the Seahawks, Seahawks plan to move around Tyler Lockett. How do you feel about that, where they're not going to use him the same way as last year? Do you think this will make him a little bit more of a consistent um, wide receiver? <laughs> I do, yes. Uh, only because he's not going to be used as that deep threat as he was when uh, Doug Baldwin was more of the possession guy and take everything underneath. He was more of the take the top off. So I think just moving him around and getting him into uh, situations where he'll be on a linebacker or you know just be mismatched. I think that's only going to benefit him. What about you, Matt? I would agree with most of that. I think I'm more hesitant to buy into any Seattle pass or Seattle Seahawk pass catcher because of how infrequent they actually pass. So yes, it's nice that they're going to move him around. We haven't seen what he is as the primary guy so i would be a little more cautious with him but i'm not going to fault you if you buy in yeah and like for me i'm not saying i'm buying in i think for me it just kind of solidifies where he's going at because tyler lockett did scare me because he was very efficient last year and to say that he's going to do that again this year i don't believe it but if they're going to move him around i could see him being very more consistent consistent really yeah no i agree so Miami fits outplaying Josh Rosen in practice. Was this kind of expected? I mean, I, I kind of expected it. What do you guys think, Ben? Uh, yeah, so you're telling me the long-term veteran who's been there longer than the uh, second-year guy who just got there is playing better than playing better than Rosen in OTAs with no pads. I'm not surprised. Matt, do you think that's something they can change once they start getting into the preseason, or is this pretty much how the season's going to start out? I personally think that this is going to be a constant camp and preseason battle. I don't think Fitzpatrick is good enough to just rock the job the entire time. I think Rosen is going to push him. Um, whether or not he actually gets it done and is the week one starter, I would bet on Fitzpatrick starting week one, but pretty soon after that, we've seen Fitzpatrick be streaky and then go negative in a hurry. So I would imagine Rosen gets some starts probably by week five. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's pretty much, I can see Fitzpatrick finding himself in the same role as last year with Tampa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can see it, but I don't know if you're Miami, like, you traded up for him, or you traded for him, gave up a second round pick yeah. for him, and then you're just not going to play him. I mean, I get it. Yeah, you can play in the later year, but you're not going to see what he has throughout the entire year. Because if you don't, you're basically back in the same situation you were before. Yeah. No, I mean, at some point, they got to play him. You have to, because it's not like they're going to yeah. be winning. So you put him in at the end of the year when he doesn't have that pressure on him that maybe he had with Arizona early on. So it's just, you, you kind of, ease him in right yeah i would imagine it's escaping me who's the coach in oc there for miami yeah you know what why can't i think of it either hold on yeah i'll look that up right now how do you feel about Gurley with the potential of him not being a bell call bell call anymore i think it's wise of them to kind of dial back his usage 
there's a reason they moved up to grab Daryl Henderson. Um, I think he is somebody that was really good when the blocking was good and his straight line speed is incredible. So I'm curious to see what he does behind the line that the Rams have. But with Gurley's kind of weird knee issues, sprinkling in a couple other running backs, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing for both Gurley's longevity and production in the offense. Ben, what do you think? No, I agree with you. I mean, like you said, Henderson, when he did have the right blocks at Memphis, uh, he definitely took a lot of them to the house, and he has great straight speed, and he also has a great burst, great 10-yard uh, burst. But uh, another thing with Gurley is, like, you cut his production in half. I believe I saw it's still, like, running back six or running back nine. That's absurd. And just <laughs> mind-blowing. So, like, and he's fallen to, like, what now? Like, the third round of most startups? Yeah, so, I mean, realistically, what you're saying is that good, that's good value. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, like, yeah, like, is the knee an issue? 100%. You cannot ignore that. So, if you do draft Gurley in the third round, by all means, that's a win. Then go get go get Darrell Henderson, you know, a little bit later on, probably because he's skyrocketing ADP now. He'll probably be in, like, the seventh or sixth, seventh round. And then go grab uh, Marlon Brown or Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Malcolm Brown in like the 16th round of your startup and just secure that. Last one, just throw in John Kelly and just have the entire backfield. Yeah, in a dynasty, you have a deep bench anyway, so why not? Right. Yeah, because yeah, we saw C.J. Anderson go off in that offense. Yeah, exactly. So, if if he goes down or even if Gurley goes down or even if they're going to be using him and let's say Henderson is that backup and he goes down, you know what Brown is going to be used or Kelly? So someone else is going to go off. Yeah. I would think it would be a mix if they're both gone, but one of them's going to go nuts. No, I, I yeah. agree. So before I get into the next piece right here, the OC for Miami is Chad O'Shea. Okay. Which is uh, – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no. I'm just saying, okay. <laughs> Not important. Sorry, I didn't remember – <laughs> it's, it's not a name that I thought it was. So, well, I mean, he was, he was New England Patriots quarterback co- quarterback coach. So, I mean, okay. yeah, I mean, he he knows his. I mean, he worked with Tom Brady a lot. So, yeah, he knows his. He knows the way around a quarterback, but it doesn't tell me what their thinking is. You know, if they're a guy that typically rolls with a veteran or says, "Let's throw the rookie under the fire," who knows? Maybe they. It was only a second-round pick that they traded for Rosen, so it's not like they put a ton of capital into him. Yeah, no, I I agree. And and Ben, uh, mistake me or correct me if I'm wrong. You in college, you were a quarterback, right? Yes. How do you how do you see Rosen? Do you think he's going to be a successful NFL quarterback? Well, when he came out last year, I thought he was uh, the one B to. Uh, Sam Darnold being 1A, and I had Baker Mayfield as the number two. And so I thought very, very highly of him. But uh, I just don't think he ever got the shot in Arizona to do anything because that offensive line is horrendous. Um, During the first half, the OC and the coach were 
god awful. Yeah. And then he was kind of the scapegoat for that uh, for the team. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, we're going to bring you. So he has a better shot with Miami. Yes, hundred percent. I think I think he has a better shot there. If they don't if they don't play him, I'm gonna be flabbergasted as to why they even got him. Yeah, no, I agree. So going into Philadelphia, and I wish uh, Nate was here for this because he's the closet Philadelphia fan. Went signs a four year extension. There's really not much here. I mean, you kind of have to sign him because you got rid of Nick Foles. This is your quarterback of the future. So why not? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we can all agree. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, 100%. Like, <laughs> when he is healthy, he is a top five quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion, bar none. No, I agree. I don't, I don't think we're going to debate you on that. No, it's just he, like, diving into the end zone, he gets, hit, he gets his knee crunched in between two players and tears it. Like, okay. Like, that happens. And then next year or last year, he goes and he's getting hit so much from, you know, being in the pocket and everything else that he, I think it was like, what, broke a vertebrae or something like that? Yeah, it was and bad. Like, yeah, and how often does that happen? It's like Keenan Allen with a ruptured spleen. No, that's, that is true. It's just one of those rare occurrences. Yeah, it's just like these freak accidents and everyone's like, nope, he's injury prone. Like, we all said that about Keenan Allen and. Like, now look at him. And he had a lacerated kidney and a spleen or something goofy? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's like, nope, stay away from him. Like, lacerated <laughs> kidneys are so common. What? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Oh. Cam Newton throwing a regulation-sized ball. So he's getting healthy, and a lot of people are on him. And it's funny because in, in our message, this was going on today, right, guys, about mistake me on my wrong because I, I, if I wasn't tweeting today, I was working. <laughs> he uh he's going around jimmy g right yeah he's going behind jimmy g behind jimmy g yeah, yeah and and don't get me wrong i love the 49ers ben i know you do too yep but i would not draft jimmy g ahead of cam newton i mean just the the value that he can give you is just ridiculous yeah, no, you're not wrong. And we had a uh, startup draft with some of my friends, and I took Jimmy G ahead of Cam Newton. That was a month and a half ago. So when the soldier surgery and all that was so big. But yeah, um, him throwing that regulation that football is huge. And he's been like, what? Whenever he's been healthy, he's been what? A top five quarterback? Yeah, yeah. Every time fancy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and a month ago, I don't think anybody would have blamed you because the shoulder was a big concern. Yeah. Right. Kind of like uh, Andrew Luck last offseason. Yeah, so can, in, in Dynasty, as, as it gets closer and startups have, and more startups happen in Dynasty, do you see him going past Jimmy G or do you think just everything that's been going on with the shoulder, they, he's going to stay about right there? I think I, don't I think he's going, going up. Going up? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he'll ever pass Jimmy so. G. You don't? don't think so? No, only because, like, the shoulder is a thing. And then the height for Jimmy G, just what he's done when he's been healthy, is absurd. I, but it's eight games. I know, exactly. And it's absurd. Like, people think that he's going to be the quarterback. And 
they always going to say that uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense is going to be superior to uh, Norb Turner's, which I don't believe either. But okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, like, please tell me this isn't you saying that. Yeah, no, I mean, well, I, I, I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying with that. It's just the perspective, really, is what's going to affect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like, I can see him probably going like what they go like. Uh, Jimmy Jean's going like what QB eight or something like that, and Ken Newton's like uh, twelve to fifteen. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's eight to eleven or twelve to fifteen. Yeah, so I can, see probably, yeah I can see him getting to that same range of eight to eleven. But I just I don't know, some people might take some people might not. So he's a buy for me everywhere I can get him. No, definitely. Yeah. Thank you for the deal. So this is kind of like a this is kind of like a panic check. Julio Jones will be limited during mini camp because of a foot injury. Is it something to worry about, Matt? Um, I only snorted because it seems like he always deals with a foot injury. And then, so, yeah, plays healthy. Ben? How, how much of an injury is it? It's, it's not. It's minicamp. We still got, what, right. six months in? He's, yeah, no. exactly. Something yeah. like that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Megan so younger, but... Yeah, it's one of those things that you're going to sell him, sell him because you're you're because of his age, not because he has a foot injury. Yeah, right. Yeah, and Ben, how do you feel about this? Because Giants are saying that Daniel Jones isn't ruled out of being the week one starter yet. Eli Manning, is, he's saying Eli Manning is still the starter. Do you think they're just saying that because they spent that high capital on Daniel Jones, so they kind of don't want to look dumb, or is this valid? I think kind of both. I think it's more of them saying to the New York media and their New York fans of, hey, like, believe us, we took this 106 guy, Daniel Jones. He might start for us. Don't kill us yet. Daniel Jones is getting the ball out much, much quicker than Eli Manning can. So that might be something that I can Yeah, that's, that's true, Matt. Yeah, Eli's delivery looks almost as elongated as Byron Leftwich at this point. <laughs> so I don't think <laughs> I think anyone could get the ball out a little quicker than he could. But, <laughs> but real quick question: Can you convince me that Daniel Jones isn't text in Lynch 2.0? No, no, no. All right, all right, okay. <laughs> all right, that's it for news. Let's go ahead and move on to the. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and move on to the next topic. This is the bargain bin. Bargain bin. Ben, this is for you. All right. What is the cost between a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two on their perspective team? So, for example, for the San Francisco 49ers, you have Dante Pettis as the wide receiver 34 being drafted, and then Debo Samuels being drafted as the wide receiver 53. So... With that, especially how young both of these two are, especially on this team, um, you it might be more advantageous to go with Debo Samuel, who might be the better receiver, and way later in the in the rounds uh, could get him in the tenth round of most uh, ten out of twelve team startups. Whereas with Dante Pettis, you have to move up and take him. And some players around Pettis's ADP are uh, Kareem Hunt, Chris Carson. James White and Royce Freeman. And two names I love there are James White and Chris Carson, only because I know there's a lot of penny truthers out there. But I still think 
Uh, Carson's the guy. And I think James White is the most, uh, what's it called, non-expendable member on the Patriots team besides Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, and with Debo, the running backs that go around him are Austin Eckler, who is good in PPR but isn't a starter. Edo Smith, who might be the third stringer when it's all been done this year. Jordan Howard, who might lose out to Miles Sanders at 129, and then Devin Singletary at 130. So just you could get a wide receiver one on a team in the 10th round, or you can get a running back two in the 10th round, or you can get RB1s where Pettis is getting drafted instead of possibly getting the wide receiver two there. So that's just my thoughts on it. You know, Matt, you want to chime in? I, yeah. Um, around Pettis, I would rather have Royce Freeman. I would rather take the shot with Kareem Hunt, depending upon what I did earlier in running back. And mm-hmm. then I would rather have Debo Samuel than Austin Eckler, Edo Smith, or Jordan Howard. The only one that I would be tempted by would be Devin Singletary, just because LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore are both uh, ancient, almost as ancient as my Byron Leftwich left which reference earlier. Should be collecting AARP here soon. <laughs> right. So I I think you're spot on. Yeah, see with this Ben, you're you're pulling at my my heartstrings a little bit because you know we're talking 49ers <laughs> and I mean yeah. realistically you're you're talking facts. Because when it comes down to it, Pettis does not have that much more NFL game NFL experience on Devo Samuels. He didn't mm-hmm. play a full season last year. So just from nope. those names, I mean, realistically, the name, the first name that you had right there, Kareem Hunt, I take that because in a dynasty, yeah, you can't start him right away. But when he comes back and even looking into the future, Kareem Hunt is going to be a prolific running back. He's shown he can do it. Yeah. And Debo Samuels, I mean, like Matt said, with the names going around that, even with, De- with – I, I agree with you with Singletary, but I would still take Debo Samuels. So, no, in this case – I would rather wait. And I believe I, I want to say I had this same situation happen in our uh, create a rank dynasty league. I went with hunt and then picked up Debo Samuel later. Yeah. Man. yeah you broke my heart. Oh, I know. Up. I know. I know. And I had to do it because I knew not you were going to do it. I know. That was bad. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm just shocked. Lou picked these two as the random example for the week. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was, it was not me. This <laughs> This uh, is this is Ben's baby. Okay, it's just perfect for him. All right, Matt. Let's get into what we brought you on the show for. The only reason you have any value to this show is on the art of trade. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you for that lovely intro, sir. <laughs> Uh, so I kind of broke this down into three sections. So know the market Mm -hmm. and, and Matt, I'm going to let you take over this because in your article, your topic is identify the value and just quick topics that I want to say, you say, help identify value by using trade calculator, value chart, Twitter, for example, and then to quote, this process will allow you to identify players that are worth 
overpaying or acquiring on the cheap. Correct. You want me to explain that? Um, well, I mean, it, it so, realistically, let's let's say, yeah, explain it. Let's say why trade calculator? Because I mean, trade uh, trade calculator is that something that you should live and die by? Let's start with that. No, um, they're tools in your belt, so you can look at like I peek at Fantasy Pro's little trade value chart almost too frequently but that does kind of give me a baseline reading on what kind of the majority player would think a person like a player would be worth. So I use that and kind of see who in that chart I don't agree with being valued higher or lower. And that's what I mean by identifying the value is you kind of use those as a guide to see Okay, it's saying Leo Jones is kind of in the same tier as these other three players I like better. So to me, he's kind of being overvalued. So I would, if I have him, I would be trying to move him to get players that I like better that would be cheaper. Is that making sense so far? Yeah, Ben, what do you think about that? No, I think everything that you said, Matt, made sense. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, really, so that's what I mean by like you said, the, on the cheap as well, because you could see somebody wank way low, and you're like, "Whoa, uh, he's going to explode!" Value, let me go get him for dirt cheap. Right. So yeah. this is really identifying the value, what that player's value is to you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you look at the chart and you kind of use your own values in accordance with that, but it doesn't have to be solely just that one resource. You got to look at a couple of more and honestly use the group chat as much as you can and just constantly talk about players to see what other owners think. And um, you can kind of get to know their thought processes on certain guys. Like right now, Tyreek Hill is a great example because there's lots of players that are going to be, all about that value and then there's going to be a lot of players that want to shy away because he's too much of a risk or the personal morality thing as well that might play into it as well so you can kind of really get to know what kind of owner each one is and use that in the future to figure out okay i'm in this situation if i throw him this player into the mix in this trade they be able to go for it or would they not want to do that Right. And you kind of, uh, going into my next point, you kind of brought it up with Tyreek Hill, recognize and exploit change in value. Because right now, Tyreek's value is going to be going up and down. So you, so like you said, use your group chat. You got to kind of know who are the gamblers. Because there's going to be people who want yeah. to stay consistent. And then there's going to be those people who will gamble on Tyreek Hill no matter what happens. So you use that to your advantage, right? Of course. And that's exactly what I mean by using group chat, recognizing your owner, um, just kind of getting a gauge on those kind of things. Are they – peek at the rosters too because that can tell you a lot. Um, if they have a bunch of boom-bust guys, you know they're kind of a little more gambler, so they're going to take the chance on somebody that they think is suddenly cheap. Um, or you can kind of see, all right, there's a lot of consistent kind of in the same tier type guys 
you know, to not throw one of those kind of boom bust players at them. Right. No, I, I agree. Ben, do you have any opinions on that? No, I agree completely. And just to, like maybe ask you, Matt, but is it better to like know your know your league members as in like, you know, me and Lou are, you know, Stan Fran fans. So we might value, you know, Stan Fran players a little bit more than, you know, a Bears player or um people the in my uh, home league. Yeah, and people <laughs> in my home league are huge Lions fans. Like we had uh uh, I think Golden Tate, when he was still playing, went for like a 2021st. And then once he got traded, his value plummeted because he wasn't on the lines anymore. So, sure. like, is that true? Or should you ask to know that? You can use some of that, but most players try to kind of not show their hand as much when it comes to that and take it as more of a face value type thing instead of letting the homerism get through. I mean, there's going to be instances where it's going to happen. I mean, I, for one, am constantly throwing Dexter Williams on my taxi squad because he's a Green Bay backer and I live in Wisconsin. So, hey, what's up? I'm a homer sometimes. <laughs> but <laughs> it's – I don't try to do it with, like, Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to throw, like, three firsts at somebody for Aaron Rodgers or Devontae oh, yeah. Adams. I'm just not going to mortgage the future for Packer. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yeah. All right, good. <laughs> so, Matt, you gave some examples in the article about touchdown regression. How do you identify that? How do you specifically identify that? I look for ridiculous touchdown streaks that probably aren't going to continue. Like Melvin Gordon in the first half was going nuts. He had... Where is this? He had about a touchdown per game, nine touchdowns in eight weeks. And you know that that's a historic pace. He was on pace to break LT's single season record. So if somebody's going to do something like that, I'm going to take the chance and sell because I don't think it's going to happen. I don't tend to root for history, but. It's cool when you see it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Same with Adam Thielen. He had seven touchdowns in the first nine games. In the last seven games, he had two. Um, (laughs) He also had 110 targets in the first half and 50 in the back half. So you can kind of see these streaks and know, is this really going to continue or should I maybe start kind of selling off if I can? Because somebody's going to buy in and think it's just going to continue and try and ride gravy train that's not going to come. Yeah, and then you kind of identify, like you said, identify that value and try to get something on top of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I look for the opposite way as well. Like Julio Jones in the first half, one touchdown on 91 opportunities or something like that. And then, the, of course, in the second half of the season, he won nuts and basically scored a touchdown a game. So trying to find kind of the opposite guy. And at that point, trying to trade Julio straight up from Melvin Gordon would have been ridiculous. Nobody would have done it. But so using hindsight is really easy to see that. But so kind of trying to get ahead of that curve. And within a couple of weeks, if you see zeros happening, throw an offer that way and see what happens. 
No, and that's true. Even even with Julio Jones being at the age that he is, which is off the top of my head, what is it, 30? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what can you get out of him? A good two, three years. So if you can buy Julio Jones on the cheap, you do it. Don't let age – don't shy away from his age. Right, Ben? I mean, what do no. you think about that? Not bad. I was just going to say, especially if you're a contender, don't yeah. worry about getting an old guy because you're kind of living in the now, the one to two years. If you're rebuilding and you acquire Julio, you're doing this thing wrong. <laughs> yeah. you agree, Ben? Yeah. No, I agree. There's a famous saying of if you're, in, if you're playing dynasty football, you either win championships or you own the first pick in the draft. If you're anywhere in between, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, right. I like that. I do like that. And so, yeah, now if you're a contender, by all means, go buy Julio. If you are in a rebuild and you buy him, that's not right. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> like, it's, okay to, it's okay to lose in dynasty. Yeah, because by losing, if you're, if you're winning and getting that 101, I mean, you got you to gotta kind of look at what you're playing for because everyone's going to be playing for something different. Yep. Just to kind of summarize it, I mean, you said it in your article, and when you were writing this article, we kind of talked about it, is in Dynasty, you kind of look at players like it's a stock market in a sense. So it really take advantages of the fluctuations in the market, right? Yeah, you can kind of it's – a, it's a nice correlation there where each player is kind of like their own stock, and you can kind of – See the rise and fall in value and recognizing when it's dipping and when it's going to bottom out, that's when you try and buy. It's as simple as buy low, sell high, but it doesn't always work out that way. There's definitely times where you kind of want to buy in the middle and try and either sell a little higher than you got it or recognize it's going to bottom out quick and just get out. So it's a nice correlation, but it doesn't always translate perfectly. Right. I mean, that's, that's the perfect thing. Buy low, sell high. But like you said, it doesn't always work out that way. Um, let's get into the negotiation part of this. But before we do, I want to take a moment to tell our listeners about a fully customizable podcast service offered right on creatorrank.com. Brought to you by the guys at CPMC. This service offers a fully customizable podcast for your fantasy football league. They will evaluate your rosters, give power rankings, do mock drafts, give our draft game, give out draft grades, suggest trades, preview playoffs, and anything else your league needs. Find them on Twitter at CPMC Podcast and createarank.com forward slash product forward slash CPMC. Let's get into the negotiation here. So you say set a foundation of players and work around that. Yeah, you're going to take what I talked about in identifying value. And you're going to recognize, okay, this is the player I want to move, and this is the player I want to acquire. You go talk to the other owner that has the guy that you want to acquire, and you start with that foundation. If you start messing with it too much, and it becomes a deal that, doesn't include either one of those things it's okay to walk away you don't have to make every deal that you throw out there um you kind of want to have that foundational i want to move this guy to get this guy and if that doesn't happen 
it's okay. Like you're not going to make every deal. There's plenty more trades that I've talked about than I've actually made. And Luke can attest that I've made a ton of trades. <laughs> do, ben, do you agree with, with that? Do you believe that every trade is not necessarily you winning? That is just, I mean, it could be the fact that you, your team is getting better and the other team is getting better. Yeah. I mean, that's ideally like how the trade should go down and work, but it's never going to be like that. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, you know, you can go and trade for Adam Thalen, like you said, Matt, at, you know, the week eight point and think, hell yeah, or heck yeah, I got a wide receiver one. And then he right. doesn't do anything. Uh, so yeah, like, or you can go and you can trade for, you know, DJ Moore at like week four, he wasn't doing anything. And, you know, so it looks like you lost that deal this year. But years down the road, it's like, hey, I won that deal. Exactly. So it can, it can go either side. But, yeah, no, I definitely agree that, uh, yeah, the goal isn't to win, uh, to win the deal right away. It could be to win the deal three years from now, two years from now, one year from now. So let me ask you guys something. When you guys – I mean, obviously, we all research this stuff. So – when you come across an owner who isn't as educated, do you guys take advantage of it? I can tell you what I, I do. I try not to because it's just going to breed mistrust to me. I don't want to take advantage of somebody. I want to educate them and make it tougher for me to win championships. What about you so, guys? No, I agree. There is, you know, somebody new who come wrong. It's, it's not your obligation to make him better, but it should be you know, to like help him along. So it makes the league better. But there is also a thing of attack the sheep. And if that, that's me all the way now, gives you his. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's me all the way. What I do, especially getting going into a new startup, let's say, I don't know what people know. So it's just one of those things, even like Matt, I mean, I've been in, in a league, I've been in a couple of leagues with you. It's, I know that you know stuff now, but when we started off, I'm pretty sure I didn't send I didn't I didn't send you the first trade that said, "Oh yeah, this is fair." I wanted to see where you were thinking, but realistically, I mean, you kind of start that negotiation and you kind of see where it's going. Because for me, I, I want to see who the top dogs are in the league, not by team, because not every not every top dog is going to have a great team. It's who knows their stuff, and if I can take advantage a little bit, I mean, you know, I'm I'm worried about numero uno. For yeah. sure, and that's why they call you the king, Lou. That's, I, like <laughs> I didn't that. know you were testing me with that first offer, man. <laughs> I test everybody. No. Uh, all right. I, I get kind of that whole thought process. I That's just not the player I am. I'm not trying to act like I'm better or anything. It's more of a – I just – I would rather help than – just constantly take advantage of somebody. See, and I guess for me, and it's. I know it's, that's not what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And like for me, it's, it's kind of like when I first learned to play Texas Hold'em. You play with money because when you play with money, at least for me, yeah. you care a little bit more, right? So it's just one of those things. Yeah, if sure. you lose on a deal, it's, it's fantasy football. Don't take it personal. And I think that's sometimes sure. what, what a sure. lot of people. Like, if they lose out, they take it personal, and it's like, okay, I don't trust this guy. It's just, I mean, you know, you messed up, learn from it, and then from there, just move on. Yeah, yeah. You learned your lesson, and uh, you should definitely use it as a teaching moment if you get take advantage of a couple of times. If you can't spot the mark, you are it, right? 
Yeah. And I mean, I've been, even, even now, even now I've been, I've been taken advantage of like, just for example, uh, last year in, in our league, Matt, um, I freaking mm-hmm. traded away Mike Williams for Gronk because I was on a playoff run and I had no tight ends. So I, they put me in a rock and a hard place and I did it just because I needed a run, <laughs> even though I knew there was a chance that Gronk, that Gronk was going to retire. But I mean, I have, Ben, yeah. you said it. You're either playing for a championship or you're playing for first. And at that point, I was playing for championship. Yeah, no, I can't knock you for that. But I mean, that's, a, that's a good thing, too, because like one of my, my uh, in one of my leagues I was in, one of the guys saw that uh, this team quarterbacks were Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater. And as their bye week, week six that year was coming up, he kept on snagging quarterbacks off of the waiver wire. And then once week six happened, uh, he talked to the dude who had Drew Brees and was like, hey, you know, I'll give you Eli Manning and a fourth rounder for Cortland Sutton and your second rounder. Or you can just lose this week. And the dude was undefeated. And he was like, yeah, I can't lose this week. I got to win. And that trade happened. Yeah. So he definitely got taken advantage of, but it was like it was smart by the other player to do that. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things. I mean, me and the the guy who took advantage of me, we still talk, we still trade, but you know, it is what it is. You just, you, you find, you find it and then you exploit it. Now going into it and Matt, you kind of already went into it. I have it here. Deal or no deal. I mean, realistically, if you feel it's unfair, it's okay to walk away. Like you said, Matt, you said it, you're going to talk about more deals and you actually get done. All right. My question to you guys is, what to you is a sign of a win of a fair trade that you won it or that you lost it? Is there like any, anything that you guys would, after you walk away from that trade, it's like, I won that trade or it's a fair trade or I, I got punked. I know we alluded to it already, but is there like a sign for you guys? For me, when I look at both sides of the deal, if I don't know which side I would rather be on, that's a fair trade. If I know which side I'd rather be on and I got it, I won, at least in that moment. If I look at it and I want the other side and I traded it away, I just lost. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, no, I agree with you as well. And the key word, the key word that you said was in that moment. Yeah, so, really. So like the day you make that trade, it could be like, I won. And then, you know, a week or two later, it's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> that guy just went down with an ACL. No, I did not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like, I didn't but you win. can't worry about it in the moment. You just got to roll with it and hope everything works out like you thought it was going to. No, yeah. exactly. No, you're, you're not wrong with that. I mean, yeah, and just, just for example, like you said, a fair trade last year, I traded away Juju, which I love, for Zeke, another guy I love. It's I didn't want to get rid of Juju, but in the end, it was fair. I needed it because I needed running back death because I always I always stock up on wide receivers. And, I mean, it ended up helping because I won the championship. It's just one of those things where – what's wrong, Matt? Why are you laughing? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> just a king <laughs> growing a little bit, as you should. Um, but, no, it, realistically, it's it's one of those things where it's – it's like you guys said, it's in that moment, how you feel in that moment. Because in the end, later on, like the Mike Williams Gronk, I got played on that one. 
I lost it, but in that moment, it's what I needed. Right. Yeah, no, completely agree. And yeah, Lou's just stroking that ego, pumping that chest out. Always, always, always. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I think it's more so because Matt's here and this is just our relationship since I've met him. (laughs) So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, we're going to get into prospect of the week. Matt, if you want to go ahead and hang up, you can, though. I'm just kidding, Matt. Stick stick around. Stick around. <laughs> Actually, I'll hang out. I want to hear about Travis Edkins. <laughs> Actually, Matt, before we, before we move on to that, I actually do have one question for you. Yeah. Can you give me – we talked about regression and all that a little, um, a little later back. Can you give me some players that are in for a touchdown regression? For 2019. Ooh, that's that's a good question. In in negative sense, I would think Patrick Mahomes not sustainable. I would think Tyler Lockett probably not sustainable on touchdown. Um, Devontae Adams, as much as I love the guy, I don't think he's going to hit 15 again. Um, as far as positive, it's tougher to think of in that sense but I would guess like Rashad Penny I think he's going to end up winning out the job I know you love Chris Carson but there's an article on creatorinc.com that has the case for uh, Rashad Penny so I've kind of bought in I would think Chris Godwin will go up and I would think Mike Evans would be another positive regression candidate alright you don't think uh, Eric Gibran will go down Yes. Yeah, that's another good example. Yeah, no, I just wanted to get your opinion on that and uh, have you look mm-hmm. those off the listeners as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate the question. And now, the prospect of the week. Of the week. So usually this is uh, Nate's baby, but since we got the better brother here, take it away, Ben. It's a good lead and good segue. Better brother. You're right. <laughs> All right. So this week's prospect of the week is Travis Etienne, a running back from Clemson. He's a junior, uh, 2020 eligible. Uh, his 2018 stats for running was 204 attempts for 1,658 yards and 24 touchdowns. Uh, he had 8.1 yards per carry, which is insane. And He's not just a runner. He can he can catch the ball as well. He had 12 catches for 78 yards and two touchdowns. So I think this is a guy who was in the conversation for the 101 in 2020, depending on what team he goes on, of course. But he, if he goes on to one of those running back needy teams like Tampa Bay, or uh, he could potentially go to the Falcons if they don't believe in Freeman anymore. I believe he could be a – Great candidate for the 101, and he is a fantastic player. If you ever watched him, ever watched a single game of his, you know how good this kid is. Matt, and with this, I mean, like like I've said on the show, I don't pay attention to college players that much, and obviously Nate and Ben do because they have a special place in their hearts for it, of course. Since you've been listening to the podcast, do you feel this is helping you get prepared for the 2020 season? For sure. Um Getting around this many minds has definitely kind of put me in a position where I'm starting to peek at college guys a little more, especially a year or two away. 
Um, Cause going back to trades, getting a later pick a couple years down the road, added into a deal has kind of been my next sneaky strategy. Um, Cause you never really know what's going to happen with your injuries and to be able to reload with a bunch of rookies down the road, knowing kind of, Hey, this class is going to be really deep at this business and I'm weak here. So trying to get like a 2021 pick for wide receivers or quarterbacks. If a couple of the draft eligible guys in 2020 decide to stay has kind of been my next move. No, I, I agree. I mean, realistically, like Ben, talking to you and Nate, you guys have really got me into starting to look at players for the next year. And I mean, even for those that are into like the Debbie leagues and stuff like that, this really is good information. So for you and for you and Nate, I really do appreciate you guys bringing this to the show because I think it really is going to prepare us. And for the listeners, is really going to prepare them to start kind of thinking about next year and realistically what and what this segment was brought for us or what it was meant to do is prepare you for the 2020 and what those picks mean not just to trade them away kind of all willy-nilly you know what i mean yep Mm -hmm. and like these picks are only going to get more expensive as the closer we get to draft day so like today is the cheapest day you can buy it yeah yeah so after that it's going to keep on growing price Mm-hmm. So they're good to get, you know, if you can get a 2023rd as just a throw-in, by all means do it. Because when draft day comes, that's going to be the most expensive it's going to be. And you can use it for a 2021 pick. You can use it for a player. It's just going to help you out immensely. Right. No, I agree. And if you get enough of the third, move up into the second if you need to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, and that's that's pretty much all we got for today. We don't have a Twitter uh, like we usually do where we go over a, a Twitter. I'm sorry. A team that was sent to us by Twitter. Uh, but, Ben, do you have any final thoughts? No, I don't. Matt, I read your article. It's great. Keep up the work. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, Matt. Honestly, like, I know I give you a hard thought. time. Matt, I know I give you a hard time, but I really do appreciate you being on the show <laughs> and kind of <laughs> going over um, – your trade strategy. So it's really going to help me when we get off this uh, podcast and I'm going to hit you up with a couple <laughs> trades now. Well, now I got to switch up my entire strategy that I gave all my secrets away. So I'm going to have to come up with something new in my laboratory. Uh, <laughs> but I do think uh, getting those the future year picks is kind of the nice sweetener to bridge gaps and values so trying to do that especially 2021 2022 where guys aren't really thinking about it at this point getting those thrown in is as ben said right now 2020 is only going to get more expensive and i think the same holds true with even a couple of years down the road where people aren't thinking about it no i agree i agree so everybody just remember follow the show on twitter at creator rank And then check out the website. It did launch June 1st, creatorrank.com, where you can find Matt's articles. He has two up now. I know he's working on some more. And don't forget, on these articles, everybody works really hard on these. So, I mean, we like the likes on there, and then we like to see comments because realistically, we do this for you guys. Or I should say the writers. I'm not going to say I'm a writer, but we all do do this for you, and we really do like to hear your feedback. Ben, where can they find you on Twitter? 
at Bendrez FF. Matt? At Matt Reller, M-A-T-T-R-E-L-L-E-R. Like I said, creatorrank.com. You can find me on Twitter at OneKingFFB because there's only one king on this show. Guys, have a great day, a great night. Whenever you guys are listening to this podcast or whatever time of day, be safe, everybody.